Hello, I'm Brooke Johnson. Welcome to my father's podcast. For this week's message, or any of the messages in our archive, subscribe for free on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Bethel Christian Fellowship is a church that relies on the support of its community. We consider you a part of that community, and we would love for you to participate in our financial life. You can do that at our website at drcraigjohnson.org. Whether you're new to this space or a regular pod listener, we're glad you're here. We believe that this message will bring you hope, encouragement, and guidance. God bless you. Good morning, saints. Could we put our hands together and greet our streaming family? Good morning. Welcome. Welcome in the name of the Lord. Welcome. We've got a full house greeting you today. You should feel welcomed. And I've got good news today for you. I've got good news, beloved. The storm is ebbing to an end. You're just about to come to the end of the storm that has been raging. Isn't it good news to know that as soon as Jesus got in the disciples' boat, it says the winds went to sleep and the waves went to sleep. When our series called An Age of Samuel, I believe it's part seven, I've lost my way. But we're going to talk about storms today. Did you know storms are inevitable? Right now, you're just going into a storm, you're in the middle of a storm, or you're just coming out of a storm. Good news. So what I have today is going to cover where you've been, where you are, and what you're just about to experience. And isn't that true in this house? Isn't that true? Everything I preach, I already just came out of or I'm just going into. So cheer up and batten down the hatches. (laughs) We are never storm-free in our walk with God. But his goal is to make us storm-proof. The wind and the waves will always rise. But as I speak of the age of Samuel, as I talk to my Samuels today, those being prepped for the greatest outpouring of God in human history, I can explain today why you've endured the storms that have come to you. There are different types of storms in the Christian life. We're going to look at seven for just a minute. Seven kinds of storms. Because did you know God doesn't want our gifts to take us where our character can't keep us? And that's why he's been allowing the crushing that produces the oil and the crushing that produces the wine and the pressing. Not only are olives crushed. I went to Israel and then they're pressed. I thought, oh, I missed the whole pressing part. Oh, I've just been preaching... (laughs) Everybody wants the oil, nobody wants the crushing. But after the crushing and the grinding comes the pressing. Don't worry, I'll go deeper. I'm sure next time I go to Israel, I'll find out seven more stages. But beloved God himself, he never promises you to be storm-free, but to storm-proof, that's a whole different thing. And we're going to look at Samuels who are storm-proof today. Did you know our hero Samuel was storm-proof? He was raised in the storm. Samuel himself was conceived in a storm at the time of ancient Israel when the people of God were worshiping idols and were not obeying the Lord. He was raised in the midst of a storm of ungodly leadership. He was raised by Eli and Hophni and Phinehas, storms of themselves against the work of God. Samuel was battened with storms from the time he was a little boy. From the time he was growing in the house of the Lord in the midst of corruption and perversion and every conceivable assault, he maintained a pure life. But you see, God was systematically making Samuel storm-proof. A man who has to stand before kings and speak God's truth must be storm-proof. For you to speak the truth he's put in your heart to speak in your culture, you must be storm-proof. And so that's what he's been doing in your little boat. He's been storm-proofing you all these years. You didn't know. You've just been ducking your head waiting for the next storm. Oh, beloved, that's what chickens and turkeys do. They duck and cluck. But in the midst of the storm, the eagle soars higher and higher. And they use the highest winds and that cylindrical bone system. The wind does the work and they soar. The eagle welcomes the storm. And we're God's eagles. And we're taught to welcome the storm and love the storm and embrace the storm. To us, we get excited. 
full of anticipation. Well, we're going to look at some facts about storms today. Let me read you a text. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida, while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, and the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on land, and he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary to them. And about the fourth watch of the night he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, and cried out. For they all saw him, and were troubled, and immediately talked with him. And he said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased. And they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. The Lord Jesus had just fed 5,000, actually with women and children, about 14,000 people. And the people were so overwhelmed at the sign and the wonder that they said, let us make him king now. And did you know, whenever God's people have a false expectation of God and what he's going to do, he puts them in a boat. The people wanted to make him king, but he was not going to be crowned king now by that sorry lot of sops that were there for a free meal. He knew when he saw the crowds that they were there because they were hungry and they were coming back because they thought he was a spiritual vending machine. And the disciples were all hopped up and they were, oh, maybe he's going to be king. And if he's king, then I'm going to be secretary of state, Peter. And you're going to be somebody too. And to correct their misconception, he puts them in a boat. And he says, go to the other side. Simple command, go to the other side. Not go halfway and sink. Not go halfway and have a stroke and then we'll have to cure go all the way to the other side, and it says he retreated to prayer, and he's on the side. I've been there at the very site where all of these events took place. Oh, my Lord. They couldn't see Jesus, but Jesus could see them in the midst of their storm. And here, for about six hours, this horrifying storm strikes. Have you ever had a storm strike your life? Oh, my, my. Everything's wonderful on shore. Did you know the Jewish people as a people were not a nautical people and they didn't like the sea? They were a land people, thank you very much, as are we. Land people. We're comfortable on shore. And we'll go out maybe three feet into the water, into the deep, where we still have firm control and both feet on the ground. And then we back off because ever since you saw Jaws, you've never been the same. Isn't that true? More people a year statistically are killed by vending machines than sharks. But it's that mystery. Did you know God meets us in the deep? Do you know why the Bible speaks of storms? Because he meets us in the deep. Because the miracles don't happen in shallow water. And they don't happen when you're shorebound. Miracles happen out in the deep. Has he been pulling you out into the deep? A little bit, a little bit more than usual? You know, you're confident in the swimming pool as a baby, right? And then all of a sudden you slip and fall into that six-foot area that ever happened to you. Remember you pretended to swim, and then you slipped, and you went down, and then you were doing your dog paddle, you're crazy. Some people in the body of Christ act like they're swimming, but they're not because their feet are firmly planted on the bottom of the pool. But, but take heart, my beloved ones. <laughs> you're going to be slipping into six but deep. <laughs> Someone says, I'm already there. All right, don't, don't take heart. Storms are blessed because miracles happen in the deep. And God meets his people in the very area, the nautical category that they didn't like. Think about it. The children of Israel were never seafaring people. Ho, 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 ho. No, no, they're on land. Thank you. They want to be in control like us, absolutely secure and managing their environment 24 hours a day. But God goes, oh, no, 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 no. If you're walking with me, you're going to have to walk with me like Peter did out on the water. Oh, Lord. Now, come on now. Enough of this deep teaching. I'm going to stand right back where I'm safe. Yeah, that's where I stay. But the Lord keeps pulling me. Even Ezekiel, remember he had a vision and the water came up to his ankles and then it came up to his calves and his knees and then it came up to his waist. And all of a sudden there were waters to swim in. <laughs> That's what's happening right now. He's sweeping his beloved up. 
and he's taking you out into the deep where the miracles happen. There's something about storms, beloved. But I noticed the disciples couldn't see Jesus, but he could see them. They were always safe. They were always secure. Storms test your threshold. Have you noticed that? A storm will test your threshold. When I was on my Oceana cruise, safe in a 10-story boat, so I thought, we were in the middle of this water area where Paul had his storm. Ooh, that's a big boat. That's a big ship, but I was worried. You'd think turbulence on, a, on the Lufthansa flight is rough. When you're at the high seas going, nah, this couldn't sink. Nah, and you, David knows that feeling. You know, everything starts shaking and the crew's, you know, flipping around. I actually left my cabin when things were really crazy one night about 2 in the morning, and I was just looking around for hope. You know, just one of those people in all white walking around going, oh, Sarah, go back to your cabin. Everything's fine. Didn't happen. Yeah. I thought, okay, it's fine. Maybe I could call Dennis for prayer. It's like, I don't think so. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't remember. I went blind. I, I didn't remember anything. I was praying on my knees and praying in the boat, and I'm going, nah, this couldn't be my destiny, which was proof it might have been. Yeah, right then. He went down on a pleasure cruise. Beloved, storms are inevitable. Jesus said, you're going to have tribulation, but I've overcome the world. Don't worry about it. But there's some beautiful truths that I want to share with you today. Storms cannot harm the servant of God. Samuel, you've had to be battered like this, stem to stern. Why? It's not a cruel thing. It's testing a threshold. If you're a school teacher, don't you test your children? Of course you do. Two plus two is 22. Let's try again. Two plus two is not all tests. See, when God tests, it's like that, testing a student. It isn't like the enemy who's trying to steal, kill, and destroy you. Don't want to confuse the two. But there's something about feeling your threshold. And every once in a while, we need to see where our limits are. I know I do. I have recently. I've been seeing some of my physical limits. And what I, how I've responded and how I am responding is I'm intentionally slowing down a little bit. I'm walking in a measured way. I used to just, like a chain-smoking chihuahua, walk 100 miles an hour and not look at anywhere I was going. Now I'm, now I'm walking a little more deliberately. <laughs> And when I pick Michael up, who's 120 pounds, I don't just jerk him off the ground because Daddy's back isn't that strong anymore. I measure my lifting. I'm lifting with my knee. Lift with your knees. Oh, whatever. Yeah, I'm lifting with my knees now. It's intentional. I'm using mindfulness. And there's something amazing about seeing the threshold. And so they didn't know their threshold, but Jesus did. Now, isn't it something? He'll show up exactly when he needs to. But in the storm, you get so frightened and discombobulated that even God looks weird. They thought Jesus was the devil. Have you ever thought Jesus was the devil? <laughs> I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. No, Craig, it's me. I'm Jesus, you know. He walks on the very thing threatening to destroy them, transcends the elements, but they were so creeped out because in a storm, you get a little bit of dementia. In a storm, you get reality distortions. You don't know what's real and what isn't. Come on, when you're little, you know that. You hear that noise, and you're sure it's a serial killer coming in with a knife, and it's not. It's just a creak in the floor. <laughs> I got a creak when I get out of bed at night to go to the bathroom. I get halfway to the bathroom, and there's a creak in the floor that makes a noise near the tub. Don't know what it is. Don't want to pay to find out. But it, it is that you, you, reality distortions occur in the midst of the storm. Our thresholds are pressed. And sometimes you think you know your threshold, but you don't. God says, I'm going to help you a little bit with the storm. Oh, okay. Yes, Lord. You find God quick in the storm. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I woke up out of that bed in Oceania going, Jesus. You know, it's like, hi, Craig. Nice to see you. I haven't talked to you in a while. Samuel was seasoned by storms. And all my Samuels, it's going to make sense. There's a storm in Acts chapter 27. It's called Eurachlodon. Eurachlodon is a unique storm that struck Paul in Acts chapter 27. And what I want to frame for you right now 
Notice that Jesus sends the disciples in a boat to go to the other side, but they get resistance. And Paul, our blessed apostle, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, is on a ship, and he's on his way to, where was God sending him? To Rome. God gave him a life word and said, Paul, you must go before Caesar. And Jesus said to the disciples, you must go to the other side. Beloved, did you know that your life words need to be revisited because no storm can sink a child of God? Oh, you may lose something in the storm. In Paul's case, they lost an Alexandrian grain ship worth untold millions. But they survived. The storm will never harm the child of God. It isn't to destroy you. Your limits are being pressed so that you can see them. But you know, Jesus may look a little strange in the storm. Even the ways of God seem surreal. You get a doctor's report and you feel fine and they tell you something other than what you feel and everything gets surreal real quick. Have you noticed that when you're by yourself? It's just like, again, I hate to use the ship analogies, but they're all over the place. When I got off that Oceana ship for a week, I walked. I had my they call them getting your land legs back. When you've been on a boat that's constantly moving and you get back at the airport, you look a little weird. <laughs> they went, there's Pastor Craig right over there. Things get discombobulated in the storm, beloved. You may even think God's the devil in the midst of the storm. Jesus had to come. And notice it says that he made as though he would go further. Sometimes God shows up and does nothing. Jesus is standing right within reach, and they're looking at him, and he's looking at them and made like he was just going to go by. Hi, fellas. How you doing? Is everything okay? Sometimes God shows up, and he doesn't do anything immediately. Lord, we perish. I love the other version. It says, Lord, carest thou not that we perish? Don't you care? And Jesus steps in the boat, and immediately the element says, went to sleep. And they said, what kind of a man is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Beloved, storms are inevitable. Storms are going to come. You're never going to be storm-free, but the goal is to be storm-proof. Did you know the major storm of Samuel's life was, I call him, Storm Saul? Saul, the first king of Israel. Remember Dennis a few weeks ago did such an excellent teaching on Saul? Remember on Storm Saul? Storm Saul had an illegitimate, rebellious beginning. Storm Saul <laughs> was a thorn in the side of Samuel. Have your storms? Storm Saul was a man of the flesh, committed to external things only, only interested in the things of this world. Samuel had to endure the storm of King Saul. And what a terrible and difficult time it was. Yet even when God declares to Samuel, Samuel, I'm done with Saul. That storm is ending. Samuel wept because he loved Saul. I never forgot the story of the church that were looking for a pastoral candidate, and they had two young men in their early 20s, and Steve Stunnings, Rufus Glitterteeth, they were very attractive, and they were just out of seminary and ready to take on the world. And they both preached on hell. And one week, one young preacher preached. The next week, the other one did, and they chose the second one rather than the first candidate. And the first candidate was very upset. He'd been rejected and not chosen. And he said, why did you choose him? And why did you reject me? He said, well, when he preached on hell, he wept. When you preached on hell, you were too excited about it. Do you see, Samuel was broken over the loss of Saul. But Saul's heart was not right. He was a storm that God had to end. But even then, we need to grieve when we see the loss of life. Amen. Never get haughty. The Bible says if you rejoice when your enemy falls, the Lord will reverse the verdict. Whoa. So even when your enemy falls, hide your head in humility and do not, resort, do not rejoice. Don't be cocky. 
Samuel was shaped by the storm that Saul was. So he was made in the storm and made for the storm. Boy, you know Christians that have been tested in the storm. Don't you know them? They're just steady, steady in the storm. They're not perfect, but you, you can tell the wind-tested warrior on deck. They're just like, it's all right. It's going to be okay. Everything's all right. You know, you're on that plane flight with the turbulence, and you look at the stewardess. Now, if she's throwing up in a bag, you're in trouble. But she's usually the one. You want to find a pair of eyes going, it's okay, honey. It's all right. It's just turbulence. Now, if you see one, like, writing a love letter to their kid or trying to text their final picture, then you're in trouble. We are to be storm-proof, not storm-free, but that we're to be steady in the storm. That's the, the element of strength we need as Samuels because the, the storm that's coming is the glory of God. It's going to be beyond anything you've ever seen. It's going to be a weight beyond anything, kavod, something so heavy that if, you don't, if you're not squared in your shoulders, if you're not storm-proof, even the glory of God could be frightening. Or you can be just storm steady. It's just like, okay, Jesus, here we go. I've been waiting for this all my life. Like you're a surfer, wait for the wave. Come on, come on, come on. But, you know, there's different kinds of storms, and I want to go over this. I wish I had some information I wish that I had 50 years ago. I don't know about you. I wish 50 years ago someone had taught me on seven kinds of storms. Here's the first kind, Jonah storms. Now, these are storms. Remember Jonah, the book of Jonah? These are storms caused by you shooting yourself in the foot and just being an idiot. Remember Jonah? God said, go to Nineveh, tell them to repent. It was the greatest nation of the day. I want them all saved. And Jonah said, sure, no problem. Got in a ship and went the opposite direction, Tarshish. The Bible says he went down to the, to, to the shore side, went down into the ship, went down into the belly of the ship. You know, when you sin, you go down, 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 and you pay the price for the ticket, and you never get to your destination. So he rebelled against God, and the Bible says the storm of the Lord came after him. It wasn't the devil. It was God. And the Bible says he sent a storm after Jonah. And you read the book. It's only a few chapters. It's not like a big read. You won't find a commentary of a 1,000 pages on Job. Well, you might. I know some guys that would do that. Three volumes, a 1,000 pages each, on the book of Third John. You know, oh, they're deep. Uh, Jonah's storms are storms when you shoot yourself in the foot. And I believe that 99% of our storms are self-caused. It's my opinion in my own life. I am the storm causer of my story. The devil is a liar. The devil rarely has caused storms. I don't need a devil. Just leave me alone by myself. <laughs> Pastor Rick, we were roommates for 11 years. He used to say, we just leave you alone in a room with props, and you're fine. Because he'd hear me talking in the room, and he'd come in and think I'm preaching to somebody or talking to somebody, and there's nobody there. He said, as long as he's got a mirror, he's fine. So I don't know about your storms, but Jonah's storms, these are caused by disobedience. So the operative word is repent. Second, the disciples' storms, like we're reading about now, these come to strengthen our character. And the operative word is endure. A disciples' storm, the Lord's just showing you your limits. He's pressing your limits. He's expanding your limits. He's showing you who you really are because you think you're something big until you're in that storm going, Jesus, God, help me. God. You need that occasionally. I remember John Dawson once told me, he said, you know, Craig, he said to be publicly humiliated uh, every 10 years is good for the soul. He said to be utterly disgraced, ruined, and publicly wrecked is very good for the soul, especially in a leader. And I thought, John, and you know what? <laughs> Storms have a way of bringing you right back, you know, like right back. To who you are and who you aren't. You're God? I'm not. Who are you, Craig? I'm not God. You're God. Good. All right? We all need that occasionally. All right? So disciple storms just simply come to press your limits, and uh, there's no devil involved. Third storms are Stephen storms. These are storms where there will be a lesser loss for a greater good. Stephen, remember, was the first Christian martyr. He preached the gospel, was stoned to death, said, lay not this into their charge, and saw the son stand at the side of the father's throne, and he dismissed his spirit, and he went to heaven. He was the first martyr, and Paul, the great apostle, 
superintended that murder. And Paul watched the conduct of Stephen. So God gave a deacon to get an apostle. Some storms issue forth in a lesser loss for a greater, greater gain. God will never kill a deacon. Oh, yes, he will to get an apostle. Don't tell God what God can do. It's a very tenuous position. He knows everything we don't know. And he knows he had to get a deacon surrendered to get an apostle in this case. And guess what? This storm yielded in a lesser loss for a greater gain. Now, you can't see in this world something was a lesser loss for a greater gain. That's why we have to trust the Lord. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belong to him. The things revealed belong to us. Some things aren't revealed, though. Has anything ever happened to you and you just can't read it? You know, the thing about a storm, it's really hard to interpret storms. Don't try too soon. What, what does this storm mean? Well, um, I think uh, <laughs> it could be a Jonah storm, in that case, repent, a disciple storm, endure, a Stephen storm, die well. Just die well. Not like Jim Carrey dying all over the scene. <gasps> Sometimes it's a lesser loss for a greater gain. And you know what? God is very much in charge of that. So just smile and act like everything's all right. Next, a Job storm. These are storms that can never be understood this side of heaven. Ooh. Book of Job is a deal breaker and a deal maker. There are things you can't put in your little box. Well, there's sin in your life. You didn't have enough faith. Please, please don't be a kindergartner forever. There are not just, when you see two ditches, you know there's a middle, a road in the middle, right? See two, stay out of the ditches. Job's friends said, there's sin in your life or you didn't have enough faith. And you know what God did to them? He came down and said, how dare you say such idiotic things to my servant Job? And Job prayed for them that they not be destroyed. So don't ever be so foolish as to think there's only two categories, sin in your life or lack of faith. There's a third category, the Job category, which means we don't know down and we'll never know till we get to heaven. Now, the minute you get into heaven, there's one word. Oh, ah, of course, I should have had a V8. But this side of eternity, Job storms, you'll never get the answer. And don't try. Don't ever Beloved, don't criticize other people's storms. Don't try to interpret other people's storms when they're in the middle of a storm. Well, <clears throat> you must have sinned. A friend of mine recently just had two idiots call in the middle of a storm and say, well, we just feel the Lord told us that you just this and you just that. When you see other people going through a storm, shh, don't try. You don't even know how to interpret what storm you're going through right now. So don't you dare pass a superficial judgment on your brothers and sisters that are going through something that you have no idea. Well, I'm sure I know he's a Jonah storm. There's no way. This guy, I've known him since he was 17. Shh. Don't try to interpret storms, your own or others. It's just good to keep your head down. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. There are just times to be quiet and talk later. So Job's friends came and totally blew it up. They said everything everybody says currently in Western Christianity. There's not enough faith. Yeah, you don't have enough faith. There's sin in your life, obviously. Must have dropped the hedge. So I'm in. Now tell that to someone with a handicapped child. Uh, Craig, we don't understand, but you're the head of your spiritual family, so you must have had a lack of faith. There must be sin in your life. Something dropped the hedge. Sorry. That didn't, that didn't go too well in this Job category, right? Now, that's stuff you believe when you're a teenager in the Lord. Go through a few storms, and you get real seasoned. <laughs> and you'll hold your tongue a little bit more than you did in your 20s, right? I was talking, to, well, I won't tell that story. That's too intimate. All right, next. So after Jonah storms, Stephen storms, Job storms, Christ storms, these are the storms because you're doing the right thing. Did you know you can have the greatest storm in your life in the perfect will of God? If you're in the will of God, you won't go through a storm. You'll just sidestep those storms, and the Holy Ghost tells you in advance, and I've never gone through a storm since 1976. Well, then evidently Jesus Christ didn't understand that because he was the will of the Father, and he's got storms. The Apostle Paul was in the perfect will of God when Eurachlodon hits him in Acts chapter 27. Loved one, just because a storm comes doesn't mean 
that it's a result of sin. In fact, it could be the affirmation of your obedience in the middle of the will of God. Well, I have no storm in the will of God. Well, tell that to the Son of God. Next, Paul storms. That's where we are today. These are storms that are allowed because they open a greater opportunity for ministry. You see, Paul in Acts chapter 27 gets on a grain ship from Alexandria, and they're supposed to go on a 40-mile trip. Did you ever sign up for it? It's only 40 miles. We'll be there, oh, I'd say a little after lunch. Okay. Paul says to all of them, I don't feel good about this, uh, this, uh, this uh, trip. Uh, maybe we should wait. They get to a place called Fair Havens. You can read the 40 verses that are chapter 27 of Acts. That's your homework. Paul says, I don't feel good about this. Ever, ever not felt right about something? Just go, I don't know about him. I, I just feel, listen to that. Trust your ticker. Get there quicker. Paul says, I don't think this, this is, and yet, <laughs> let me show you the four points that led into Paul's storm. The first one was impatience, Acts 27.10. Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to the ship and the cargo and our own lives also. But they were impatient. Ever been too impatient? I got to get married now. I got to leave school right now. I got, shh, maybe you need to count to a hundred in Greek and then Hebrew. Impatience is always a good entry point into a storm. The second one was trusting self-appointed experts. Uh-oh, Acts 27, 11. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. Ah, oh, self-appointed experts in everything. There are Christians in every church. Oh, going through a storm? Oh, yes, I mean, the Lord spoke to me what kind of storm you're in right now. Now, you know, you know you got to watch out for self-appointed experts. The guy that owned the boat had an interest in this grain deposit, a few million dollars worth, and the captain's done this a lot. But did you know the Bible says the stone that the builders rejected became the head of the corner? So much for experts. The experts in Israel rejected their own Messiah and threw him out. Watch out for impatience. It may be an entry point to the storm. Watch out for leaning on <laughs> self-appointed experts. Third entry point, trusting prevailing opinion. Look at Acts 27, 12. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. Now, there's 276 people on board of this ship. Paul said, there's trouble. Don't leave Fair Havens. But the Bible says the south wind was blowing calmly. And the majority, they did a nose count. Out of 276, 273 said, let's go. Phoenix was like a party town, and they didn't want to stay at Fair Havens because they'd be stuck for the winter. In that part of the world, you don't sail. October, November, October through February, you don't sail. You winter somewhere, right? So they didn't want to winter in the podunk town. They didn't want to winter in Dubuque. Iowa. They wanted to winter in Vegas, right? So let's go for Let's go down to Phoenix. And the majority vote was given, and there were three, Paul, Aristarchus, and Luke, and out of 276, all of them said, let's go to Vegas. Let's go to the party town and winter there. So watch out for a head count. The majority wanted to kill Moses and go back to Egypt. Majority is never making good votes in the Bible. Right? So, uh, so the self-appointed expert said, let's go. The prevailing headcount, argumentum ad populum. 273 uh, said, let's go. And Paul and Aristarchus and Luke said, let's stay. There's something wrong. And the majority won. Well, bless God. Don't trust the majority, sweetheart. And the fourth, being led by temporary circumstances. Oh, Acts 27, 13. When a gentle wind began to blow and they saw their opportunity, they weighed anchor and sailed to the shore of Crete. Do you know, remember it says there was a soft south wind blowing? Remember in the book of uh, with Jonah, it says there was a soft wind blowing at Joppa. Well, 
Seems all right. The circumstances look good. Let's get everybody on the plane. You know what I mean? I always think of that on those planes that crash. You know, it's like, oh, my Lord. Uh, I don't know if you, do you remember the, there was a, uh, and I remember there was a plane crash, a PSA plane crash. A guy used to run this concert thing called Cal Jams. Do you remember this back in the 70s, Cal Jams? He, this guy wanted on this flight, and there was a boy, like a 20-year-old boy, and, uh, and the guy that ran Cal Jams ran up to him and gave him $1,000 for his ticket. And the boy took the 1000 left, and that plane crashed five minutes after it took off. You know, you, you hear about these things, and you see what a hurry we're in to get everywhere we want to go. Maybe it's time to just let the Lord give us wisdom. Even when circumstances look good, the south wind was blowing, looked great, wasn't going to end that way. The south wind, when Jonah started, looked fantastic, but wasn't going to end that way. So you got to watch out. you got to be sensitive to circumstances. So a Jonah storm, that's because you brought it on, repent. A disciple storm just tests your character, endure. Stephen's storms is a storm where you get a lesser loss for a greater good, die well. Job's storms, these will never be understood this side of heaven, so worship. Christ's storms, storms come that because you're right in the perfect will of God and the devil's hitting you back. And Paul's storms, this is what I want to look at the next few minutes. Notice that when Jesus sent the disciples to the other side, there was just about to be a massive deliverance on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Do you remember the story? What did Jesus run into as soon as the boat landed on the other side? The man with the legion. The man with 6,000 demons that was naked and was cutting himself and could not be bound with chains and lived among the tombs. Christ... And the disciples were on the way in one version. And they were on the way to go immediately to bring the good news to a tormented man who would be delivered. And then he was left in the area of the Decapolis to win the Gentiles to God. Christ is already thinking beyond the Jewish flock saying, I'm going to go touch one guy and the storm that rose in an attempt to frustrate the work of God. Some of you are in the midst of Eurachlodon. Acts 27, Paul had to go to see Nero, and the devil couldn't do anything other than try his best to subvert that sail. You know, Paul had been in three shipwrecks already. This is his fourth. Can you imagine being a Christian missionary and you've survived three 747 crashes? And you're getting right back on the next 747. And someone goes, I understand you've had some airline history. Oh, yeah, I've, I've, I've survived three Boeing 747 crashes. What? And, and you're getting on another one? Oh, oh, yeah, Paul was not intimidated by storms. He was not intimidated by shipwrecks. He got up, shook himself off, and said, well, doesn't that beat all? And then he did the next right thing. And that's what you need to do. Don't be intimidated by the threat of storms. Don't think that as great as Eurachlodon, that's the word for this huge, massive northeastern that came down upon Paul's ship, that 14 days, they go 500 miles off course. They don't know where they are. They had to dump all the furniture, all the grain of the ship. And at the end, they happen upon Malta, and the ship falls to pieces. Someone said, well, the, the ship is like the church. No, it's not a metaphor, because then all you'd be left with is the boards. You don't want church boards. All right, anyway, that's a good joke. But thank you. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Um, so the, the ship Paul's on is utterly disintegrated, but he survives, and all 276 survive. Beloved, storms cannot harm the child of God, but secondly, storms cannot hide the face of God. Whatever storm you're in, and you can look at these seven kinds of storms and posture yourself in the best light possible, I'm sure. Mine is a Christ storm. All mine uh, because I'm in the will of God. Okay. Good for you. Yay, you. But we think, <laughs> anyway, so see why it's rough to interpret storms? It's one of these seven. Now, what I'm emphasizing in my spirit today to my Samuels is that many of you are very close to your life or destination being fulfilled, 
and that's why you're getting the resistance. The madman of Gadara, those demons don't want to come out, and they don't want his life turned around, and they do not want the whole Decapolis saved. And so there will be some resistance in your little boat. Don't worry about it. Storms cannot harm the child of God, and they cannot hide the face of God. Paul's storm was directly an opportunity to open doors. Well, I would pray to the Lord, please, Lord, give me a little more subtle way of opening doors for Craig. Thank you. Thanks. I've been through mostly Jonah storms all my life, and I'm 63. I'd like to just be in one of Paul's storms minus the boat wreck. But you see, we're to be storm-proof, beloved. It doesn't matter. The devil cannot stop the child of God. Cannot hide the face of God. Storms cannot hinder the will of God. There's nothing anyone can do and say that's going to stop you from fulfilling your life word. Nothing. You know, I heard something so beautiful. Hear the voice of Jesus. All else is noise. You've heard me say all year, hearing his voice isn't even enough. You've got to be here, able to be the, hear the heartbeat of the God-man in the manger. This is a time to be sensitive to his heartbeat, and all else is noise, and all we pursue is noise, Christian noise. Worship becomes noise when you can no longer hear the heartbeat of the God-man in the manger. Sermons become noise when you can't hear the heartbeat of the God-man. What did he say? Now, you heard this morning I asked Mike to repeat things about three times so that I could hear what he was saying. Well, how much more does Craig need to devote himself and his hearing to sensitively hear the heartbeat of the God-man in the manger? This is an important season. No storm can threaten your destiny. No storm can harm the child of God. No storm can hide the face of God. No storm can interrupt the will of God. Now, that's something I know Paul had a little problem with. He probably messed his pants a little bit. But eventually, the Bible says, with confidence in the midst of Eurocladon. Now, why do I say Eurocladon? That's the name of this massive storm that is actually abating right now. A few weeks ago, it, we were just coming into it. We're coming out of it now. It's been an attempt of the enemy to bar you access to a new open opportunity for ministry, but it, it failed it's over. But isn't it nice to know in hindsight what happened? Listen, Paul's in the middle of his fourth shipwreck. Listen to Acts 23, 11. And the night following, the Lord stood by him and said, be of good cheer, Paul. Has he ever said crazy things to you in the middle of a storm? All is well. Only Jesus can say that. Remember, Jairus' daughter's dead. She's 12. Jesus said, she's only sleeping. She's not dead. And they laughed him to scorn. Only Jesus can say crazy things at serious moments. She's just sleeping. Don't worry about it. She's fine. And they laughed him to scorn. Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also in Rome. In the middle of hell, let loose. Jesus says, calm down. Remember your life word? You got to go see Nero. Have you seen him yet? <laughs> no. Okay. Are you dead yet? No. Okay. Don't worry about it. This too shall pass. Acts 19.21, After these things were ended, Paul purposed in his spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. That's his life word. Rome, 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 Rome. What's your life word? Fill in the blank. Well, God told me I'm going to... Whatever that life word is, no matter what happens... The storm will not harm you, will not hide the face of God, and it will not stop your life word. And listen, in the middle of the ship, oh, I love this one, Acts 27, 24. There appeared to me last night an angel of God who said, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Paul said, Jesus said, not the, he says, sends an angel, says, Go tell him everything's okay, and go tell him, by the way, that's his boat thereon. It's an Alexandrian grain ship run by Rome. No, no, Paul. 
It's your ship, and I've given you the lives of all 276 people on your boat, and not one hair of their head is going to be hurt. Well, he's saying this to them in the middle of they can't see the stars. All hope is gone. They have no food. They're starving to death. And Paul's going, cheer, cheer up, folks. You're going to be fine. <laughs> but boy, don't you listen to someone who's a light in the midst of the darkness like that. It's like, well, let's hope he could be right. Okay, weird guy. I'm with the weird guy. You know, Aristarchus and Luke, we're going to be fine. Everything's fine. Three, the minority on the, out of the majority said, calm down. Isn't that what we're to do as parents? When the ship buckles, my kids used to look at me, and I would say, it's okay. If daddy's okay, it's okay. When they would fall and stub their toe, the first thing they did was look at me before they went into hysterics. And if I was calm, they were calm. Beloved, we're storm-proof, but we got to be steady in the storm. Come on. The storm that's coming up is the glory of God. And everybody's going to be freaking out. And we're going to be like reveling. <laughs> My God, it's the glory. It's the glory of the Lord. And you can be all stormed. Just act like you knew this was going to happen. And, and explain it with calmness. Children, children, be of good spirit. It is the Lord. You know, you can look like one of those biblical saints in the old Roman movies. Remember Peter, the big fat guy? Be peace unto the all, yes. I remember I was a teenager practicing Peter. Peace unto all of you. I thought I'm going to be an old shepherd like that someday and be crucified upside down. Well, that part didn't work out, but uh, I don't want that part. No human disobedience can deter your destiny. No circumstantial storm can deter your destiny. The voice of God will still prevail over this storm. The ship and the cargo may not make it, but you're going to make it. And beloved, miracles happen in the deep, in the unknown. That's where we are right now. But for those of us who have waited all of our lives for a now, oh, it's his glories. I'm going to just hold on to the mast. Who's that crazy old guy tied with a rope to the mast? Oh, <clears throat> I went to Starbucks the other day. What was the new name, Dennis, that was on the cup? Yeah, I, I'm Dr. Craig Johnson, Dr. Glenn Johnson. What? Trey Johnson. Is there a name for the order? Craig, C-R-A-I-G. Thank you. Trey. Dennis goes, Craig, look, I thought it's a sign. It's all for my humility. So when I stand in my hour, they will say, it is Dr. Trey, <laughs> Dr. Quinn, Dr. Greg. It's just the blue-haired lady from TBN that's writing the $30 million check. Craig, C-R-A-I-G, Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N. Forget the doctor. I am your obedient servant. Trey. All right. In conclusion, in conclusion, storms are only liminal moments. They're just, they're a means to an end. They're not an end in and of themselves. Do not sacrifice the eternal on the altar of the temporary. Don't. It's a liminal moment. That means you're in between. You're not where you were. You're not where you're going, but you're only in the hallway for a minute. Don't make crazy life decisions. Ladies, gentlemen, it's called halt mode. Never make a life decision when you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Halt. I need to be married. I'm sick of being single. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Yes, all of those. Don't make a life decision right now. Wait. You are in halt mode. I don't care how old you are. It's time for halt mode. Well, we're always a little hungry and angry, Craig. But don't make a life decision when you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired because it's the wrong one. Okay? My steady in the storm mates. Hello, mates. See, when you're used to flying, you know the pro. That's who you look at for comfort. 
last time I flew to Europe, though, there were two massive, and for me to say it, there's three sizes, large, jumbo, and oh my God, it's moving this way, moving this way, okay? These two gentlemen were from Eastern something or other, and they had, they, they didn't just have rosary beads, they had huge, massive beads this big, and they were just laying down, and the stewardesses were tripping over them, and they had the big robes, and I, I thought it was a cool look. I could rock that look. <laughs> sort of the Omar the tent maker thing. It's just like, oh, all right. Yeah, it looks pretty good in that. Both these guys are here, and the flight got so rocky that I'm, like, reaching over to, like, touch one of the beads. <laughs> I'm like, I'm a Protestant, but could we, like, pull the beads over this way for a while and then trip the stewardess, and it became ugly. But, you know, you will resort to any, any comfort in a storm, unless you're seasoned. Now, I've been through a few storms in my life, most of them self-caused, but you know, I've learned a little bit, a little bit, on how not to immediately misjudge everything in the moment. I've learned to go into halt mode a little bit. I've learned not to quickly evaluate the storms of others, because I'm wrong almost every time I try to assess your storm. So I'm a little more, I'm not holy, I'm just old. <laughs> <laughs> Beloved, the Eurachlidon storm that has come to resist your life word is ending feebly for the enemy. And you're going to reach the shore and you're going to reach your destination unscathed. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you, Jesus, for mastering every storm. We thank you, Lord, for walking on the very thing threatening to kill us right now and calmly walking up to our boat. And as soon as you got in the boat, immediately they were at the other side. Father, we thank you that immediately this storm, this Eurachlidon, this assault against your people coming to their safe haven and safe port is over in the name of Jesus and the wind and the waves will go to sleep now. Father, I thank you right now for all we've learned in this storm. Thank you so much for our character that has been forged and shaped. Yeah, you've challenged our control and security, but we are all the more secure in you, all the more committed to your cause, Lord Jesus. And we do say, thy kingdom come and thy will be done in my life. Amen. His kingdom come. His will be done. You storm-proof, good-looking babies in the Lord. You're magnificent. I love you. Put your hands together. Put your hands together. Thank God. Now, I'm going to introduce a storm-proof man of God right now. If you want to see Exhibit A, David Logeman. David, come on up. My brother is, is, is one of our storm-proof saints. He has been through this life. He has wisdom. Do you know, beloved, knowledge is accumulation of facts. Wisdom is the proper application of facts. And usually you've got to be a little bit older to know how to apply all the facts together where they make sense. So David is going to lead us to the table of the Lord. Take your liberty, brother. And God bless all of you. I love you. And I appreciate you listening and taking the time, storm-proof ones. I'll trade you. <laughs> Shalom, House of Bethel. Shalom. While you get your elements together, just wanted to share something really cool that happened. I was just reading in uh, the book of Hebrews. And I saw a verse that I never remember reading before. And it was just like this really cool revelation of Jesus and how it directly relates to the table of the Lord. Um, in the Old Covenant, <clears throat> in the temple, there was a very thick veil that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple. Only one time a year would the high priest go in there, the Day of Atonement, and he would bring the blood of a lamb, a goat, I don't know, some kind of animal sacrifice 
to cover the sins of the entire nation. No one could go in there except during that time and just that priest. If he had any kind of sin in his life, yikes, he was destroyed. But in this verse today, it's interesting how God talks about the body of Jesus, the torn body of Jesus being that veil. Remember after he was sacrificed on the cross, how there was a great earthquake and that veil tore in half, just tore from top to bottom. Listen to this. It's beautiful. This is Hebrews 10, verse 19 and 20. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest of holies by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, his body. Isn't that cool? Wow. That's what his blood has done. We're able to go into the presence of God now. Anytime we want, we just call upon his name. And we're in his presence, just like right now. So let's celebrate and thank Jesus for his shed blood. Because his blood forgave all the sins of your entire life, we can enter that holiest of holies and be in God's presence. Isn't that great? Through his torn body, let's break the bread and tear it. We also can enter into God's presence for our physical health. So let's just take that invitation and go in today as we celebrate what Jesus did for us. We praise and magnify and glorify your holy name, Jesus. Thank you that we can celebrate through the bread and the cup the great freedom that you have secured for us, an everlasting sacrifice of everlasting beauty and freedom. And when the Son makes you free, you're free indeed. In Jesus' name. Praise the name of the Lord. What a wonderful elder. David, we love you, brother. He's a storm-proven man. There's just something about folk that have been through the storm that you can trust. Mm-mm-mm. Don't know everything, but you know something. Mm-hmm. My privilege to know Russ Busby, Billy Graham's photographer, for six, over 65 years. And uh, Dr. Elliot Munjack and I would have dinner with him every month. And Russ was a white-haired leprechaun of a man, a charming twinkle in his eye. And he always used to say, now, you know, Dr. Craig, in my opinion, and I may be wrong, I said, Russ, if I knew that 50 years ago, my life would have gone in a different direction. In my opinion, and I may be wrong, then you can say anything at that point. Lead with that this week. In my opinion, and I'm probably wrong. I, that's my version. And then you're free to share whatever you want. But there's that caveat. Humility is a good thing. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Amen. Oh, we bless you. Thank you, David. All of you now, I bless you in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray that the Lord of the storm, Jesus Christ, will now speak to the elements and they will go to sleep. The things that were a threat minutes ago are now sleeping harmlessly and impotently at the feet of Christ. We thank you, Lord, as Jesus slept in the boat, untroubled by a boat filling with water, had to be woken up, that you would give us a seasoned grace to bless our brothers and sisters in Christ, to strengthen our fellow Samuels, Lord, as they prepare to be used by God in this glorious storm that's coming, the storm of the glory of God, to bring life to the earth and light beyond anything we've ever seen, and to bring reformation to the body of Christ. Lord, we welcome that glorious storm of your presence and your grace and we're going to have fun together in it. The Lord bless you and keep you.
The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift his countenance unto you and give you peace. Amen. And by the way, can we thank God, Mike Fuller, you, if you got our newsletter, thank you for praying for my health. And also, our equipment was stolen. And Mike has just been uh, robbing Peter to pay Paul and putting everything back together. And we put a request out for $2,200, which is about what we need to replace what was stolen. We've been renting this, that, and the other and just sort of put, putting things together. But we would sure appreciate that if we feed you, that you would take a moment to feed us. It would be such a blessing to hear from you. Maybe you've been harmed before giving to other ministries. We won't track you down or hunt you down or send you a newsletter uh, with me praying on the rock of agony in Jerusalem for you and your family, which I'm not going to pray for anyway. But the point is... We'd love you to partner with us. If we feed you, if we bless you, maybe you could pitch in and be a blessing to us on a consistent basis. It would surely be appreciated. The Lord bless you. Have a wonderful week. We love you. And let's hear it from Mike being so faithful and, and, and putting it all together. Amen. We love you, Michael. God bless you. We hope today's message has been a blessing to you. And if it has, please visit our website at drcraigjohnson.org. There you can find additional messages of encouragement. And if our ministry has been a blessing to you, please consider us in your ministry giving, as we depend solely on the financial assistance of our listeners like yourself. Also, please feel free to send any personal prayer requests. You can find us online at drcraigjohnson.org. God bless you.